So let's turn our, our attention back then to Matthew chapter 5, the first 12 verses. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So far the reading. So we turn then to Matthew 5 verse 10, which is our text verse. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the book of Acts we read how the Spirit of God had come upon the followers of Christ at Pentecost and, and how they started going around proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Some of them were imprisoned for this, but an angel of the Lord set them free and they continued proclaiming the good news of Jesus. This time they were brought, brought before the Sanhedrin and they were flogged and they were warned not to speak in the name of Jesus. Yet when they left, when they left, they rejoiced because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for Christ's name. But suffering for Christ, or suffering because you believe in Christ, is not just something that happened in the time of Acts, in the biblical times. In the late 1940s, the Lutheran pastor Richard Wurmbrandt preached the gospel of Christ in Romania. He also defied the government by opposing their control of churches. He was arrested and jailed for almost 14 years. And during his time in jail, he was, he was brutally and, and ruthlessly tortured by the secret police. Eventually, he was released after international pressure came to bear, and he continued that ministry of his, and, and his book, Tortured for Christ, made the world aware of of the terrible persecution in his country. Today, throughout the world, many Christians are being persecuted for their faith. Think about our fellow believers in Afghanistan or North Korea, the two countries where Christians are most persecuted. In 2021, more than 5,100 churches were burned down. Almost 5,900 Christians were murdered across the world. And yet Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. How can this be? How can this be? In answering this, let's look at four things this morning. The countercultural nature of the Beatitudes, the meaning of the persecution that Jesus talks about, the meaning of the righteousness that Jesus talks about and why those who are seeking righteousness will be persecuted, and lastly, how we should respond to persecution. 
When we started looking at these sayings of Jesus, we saw that these beautiful attitudes form a sort of a, a kingdom sandwich. It's a, they framed by this phrase, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's clear that these beatitudes have to do with kingdom living. They have to do with Christ-like living. They depict what living in the kingdom of heaven should look like. So it's no wonder that they start with blessed are for those who live like this are indeed blessed. Now you may remember that blessed or being blessed doesn't just mean being happy. As some of the newer translators suggest. It means having an act of favour bestowed upon you by God. It means being approved by God. And that makes sense when we look at the first seven Beatitudes. We're blessed when we recognise that we have nothing to commend us to God. When our hearts mourn over our sin displeases God. When we live lives of meekness and mercy and a deep desire for righteousness in our lives as well as in the world. Then we're blessed. Just as we are when the Holy Spirit keeps sanctifying and transforming and purifying our lives, our hearts. And when these things are evident in our, in our lives, as we saw last week, we can then be makers of peace. And, and that is a blessing in itself. But this final beatitude does make us sort of sit up and take notice. For how can it make sense to be blessed by persecution? It would have been shocking to, to Jesus' disciples and his audience at that time for what Jesus is telling his disciples, what he's telling his other listeners, and what he's telling us today is that how he wants us to live, how he wants us to be, is very much in conflict with what the, word, what the world thinks. Living kingdom lives, living lives that are characterized by these beautiful attitudes, living lives that are um, consecrated to God, is and has to be counter-cultural. How does the world think? They think, look after yourself first, right? In contrast to that, Jesus is all about love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and love your neighbor like yourself. Those two things stand totally opposite to the to each other, don't they? Looking after yourself first or looking to God first? That's what sits behind these beautiful attitudes, including this last one. This attitude is about the result of kingdom living. Living a kingdom life is countercultural, and that will lead to conflict. Living a life of meekness and mercy and peacemaking and thirsting and hungering after righteousness doesn't mean life will be all smiles. And it doesn't mean that everyone will hold hands and with you and sing Kumbaya. No, living a kingdom life means you will encounter opposition. That's what this beatitude is about. Living a kingdom life is countercultural and will lead to conflict, to strife, and also to persecution. So let's then also look at what Jesus, um, when Jesus speaks about persecution, what that means. What does it, the persecution that Jesus talks about mean? Listen again to the words of Jesus. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We need to be very clear that Jesus is not saying that all persecution is good. He's not saying 
Blessed are those Christians who face opposition or are publicly attacked because of the very foolish or obnoxious things they do or say. He's not saying blessed are those who are having a hard time in their Christian life because they're difficult. He's not saying blessed are those Christians who are being persecuted because they seriously are seriously lacking in wisdom. He's not saying blessed are the really foolish and unwise in what they regard as their testimony. It's crucial for us to, to understand the, di- the distinction between being persecuted because of the makeup of our character and being persecuted because we are righteous. The Westboro Baptist Church in the USA gives us a really good example of foolish and unwise testimony, of a wrong character, of being persecuted for wrong things. This is an example of what this beatitude is not about. One of the things that the members of this church feel called to do is to stage protests at the funerals of soldiers. You see, their leaders are convinced that those funerals, the funerals of, of those soldiers, are God's punishment for the rise of homosexuality in the USA. Don't ask me how that works, but that is their opinion that is their belief but despite their vile language to the grieving families they claim that they are being that they are preaching the doctrine of grace and they cannot understand why they're being persecuted in essence they're saying because they face derision and opposition and persecution even they must be doing the right thing they must be doing the right thing But beloved in Christ, the people of of this Westboro Baptist Church are not being persecuted because they are so righteous. They face derision and opposition because of their lack of wisdom and their unwise testimony about God. They've not understood what this beatitude is about. So what is this righteousness that Jesus speaks about? This beatitude refers to the type of righteous living that Jesus taught in the other beatitudes, the one that go before them, the one on which this is built. As we've been working our way through these beatitudes, through these beautiful attitudes, we've seen that they are an integrated unit. They're a package deal. They build on one another. The foundation of this package deal is the recognition of our spiritual poverty. On that foundation are built the attitudes of mourning about sin, Meekness, mercy, purity of heart, hungering and thirsting for righteousness and peacemaking. But this sort of lifestyle, this sort of lifestyle is is alien to the world in which we live. And we shouldn't really be surprised at that. The word of God tells us, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's what Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3. But why is this? There's a simple answer. And that is that the world is sinful. And the beautiful attitudes that Jesus teaches us here are and will always be in stark contrast to the attitudes of the world. For it's about two totally different value systems, two opposing worldviews. One is focused on putting yourself first, The other is on putting God first. 
And because of these opposing worldviews, these opposing values, there will be conflict between these two worldviews. There will, in other words, also be persecution. Let me give you a few examples. Who does the world exalt? The world exalts those who are self-sufficient, who are self-reliant, those who, who recognize, and not those who recognize their spiritual dependence on God. Second example, because truth is viewed as relative, your truth and my truth are both right. Because truth is viewed as relative, not much will be said against you if you mourn over your own sin. But the suggestion of mourning over the sin of the world is, is laughable to many. What about Jesus' command uh, about meekness? What does the world say? Meekness is weakness. A person who is meek and gentle is viewed as weak by those who do not truly know and understand the teaching of Christ. What about the idea of righteousness? It's fairly common today to hear people talking about being spiritual. But what that means in reality is that they search for the things that make them feel good rather than hungering and thirsting of a, of, after righteousness, the righteousness that can only be found in and through Christ-like living. And while there certainly are many non-believers who are merciful and compassionate, in general the focus of the world is very much on serving oneself rather than serving others. There's also a contrast between people with such a self-serving focus and those who cry out to God to purify their hearts. A heart focused on God is always, always going to be at odds with a heart that's focused on the self. And that will lead to conflict. And lastly, godly peacemakers. Godly peacemakers who search for and who promote the peace that can only be found through the Son of God will find themselves at odds with others as well. The people who are rejected in the, in the above examples are the ones who seek to live out the attitudes that Christ teaches in these Beatitudes. Those are the ones who are truly persecuted. The ones who seek to live Christ-like lives are the ones who will be ridiculed and persecuted. That's the cost of discipleship. That's what Paul refers to when he tells Timothy that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's what Jesus means when he talks about being reviled on his account. Listen to what he says in verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Now the Greek word for persecute can also be translated as harass. And this meaning comes out in words like revile or uttering all kinds of evil. You get harassed for, for believing in Christ, for living as Christ would like you to live. As the organization Open Doors has reported, across the world many Christians are killed because of their denial or their, their refusal to deny Christ. But persecution is not just about being killed. It takes many forms. It includes things like the loss of job prospects because of your faith or social rejection or verbal attacks because of your views on certain topics. Just a few months ago, the newly appointed CEO of a football club was, 
was forced to step down because of his membership of a conservative church. It's also the example of how those who speak out against policies or trends that are unbiblical, how they are derided and even parodied on national television, on shows like Q&A. Think back just a few years to the way that Cory Bernardi, Senator Cory Bernardi, was attacked by his opponents and how negatively he was portrayed by the mainstream media for his insistence that the Safe Schools Programme be investigated. Brothers and sisters, we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised if more and more persecution, more and more harassment comes our way. We shouldn't be surprised if trying to live out the Beatitudes leads to rejection. On the contrary, if ostracism or persecution or rejection or harassment does not come our way, we would do well to ask if we're not perhaps doing something wrong. Living as Christ would want us to live will come with conflict, will come with opposition. I'm reminded of a young man who came home after his first day at his new job. Um, It was his dream job, but most of his colleagues were quite rude when speaking of women in general. Many of them used foul language. Many of them used the Lord's name in vain. But he kept quiet. He kept quiet because he he was a bit fearful about what might happen if his colleagues in his new job found out that he was a Christian. When he got home, his wife asked, So how did you get along with everyone? Terrific, he said. They never even found out I was a Christian. Does such an attitude bring the approval of God? It does not bring his blessing. And the kingdom of God will not be for one such as these. The kingdom of God is for those who are persecuted for righteousness, for living out the beatitudes that Jesus teaches his kingdom beatitudes, his kingdom attitudes. As one preacher put it some years ago, persecution in some form is a byproduct of living for Jesus. That's quite sobering, isn't it? Persecution is a byproduct of living for Jesus. It's any form of hostility that's experienced as a result of following Jesus. It's something that comes upon you because of living for Christ, because of living the way that Christ wants you to live. There's a cost to discipleship. Make no mistake, friends, there's a price to be paid for being disciple of Christ. At school or uni, your friends may dump you if you don't want to do the things that you know are against God's commands. That's a form of persecution for righteousness too. That's also a cost of discipleship. If you speak according to the truth of God's word, however compassionately you may do that, it can lead to your friends unfriending you. Now that may not be on the same level as being killed for refusing to deny Christ, but it is a form of persecution or harassment nevertheless. There's a price to be paid to truly follow Jesus. How willing are you? How willing are we to pay this price? How willing are we 
to pay the cost of discipleship. Do you stand up for Jesus? Or do you just go with the flow? Your friends or your colleagues, your work colleagues, even know that you're a Christian. Beloved in our Lord Jesus, are there any byproducts of living for Jesus in your life and in mine? Are there any byproducts of living for Jesus in our lives? So, if persecution is a byproduct of living for Jesus, how do we respond to that? Because of our sinful nature, we might want to respond in kind. We might get despondent and cry out, Woe is me! But that's not what Jesus wants us to do. Listen to what he says. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Instead of retaliation, there's to be rejoicing. Instead of resentment, there's to be joy. Instead of sulking, there must be jubilation. And friends, please note that This isn't about having a ball because your Christian convictions cost you your job. It isn't about joyously celebrating that you've been thrown in prison for your beliefs or for having been mocked publicly for your Christian viewpoints. It's not about being in a state of euphoria because you know your company won't promote you any further because of your beliefs. That's not what it's about. Jesus is saying rejoice because of the reward that awaits you in heaven. Rejoice because you are reflecting the character of your Saviour and an eternal reward awaits you. Rejoice because you are living a kingdom life and you will have a kingdom reward. Rejoice because standing up for righteousness means you are standing up for the righteous one. Apostle James writes, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Rejoice also, for your faith is being strengthened when you stand up for Jesus. Rejoice if you are persecuted for the sake of righteousness because then you are also growing more and more like Christ. You are drawn closer and closer to him. Rejoice in that. One thing we should remember when we face rejection or harassment or persecution or discrimination is that we are not alone. We're in the company of all the prophets and apostles and and modern-day disciples who were persecuted. But even more comforting, even more upbuilding than that, is that we're in the company of the one who was persecuted even to death on the cross, Jesus. And remember his testimony? If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, because, and be, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. Rejoice. Rejoice when you are being persecuted for the sake of 
of righteousness. Rejoice, for there is a treasure within you, and that treasure is Christ. Rejoice, for he is working his purposes through you. Rejoice, for he is building his kingdom with you. Rejoice, and give the glory to him. Rejoice, for those who suffer because they want to live out his kingdom attitudes, for them, life eternal awaits. Rejoice. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let me conclude with the following. As soldiers of the cross, our battle for righteousness is is not a battle we fight for ourselves. It's not something we do for ourselves. And it's not a cheap battle. It's a costly one. It's a battle for righteousness to prevail. It's a battle for the glory of God. And despite the cost that it may carry, the battle cry for you and for me is to stand up for Jesus. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. The fight will not be long. This day, the noise of battle, the next, the victor's song. To everyone who conquers, a crown of life shall be. We, with the King of glory, shall reign eternally. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word to us today. Thank you that you've preserved this life-giving word so that we may learn more about you, about your love, and about how you want us to live. Father, make us people of the word. Make us people of the truth, unafraid to speak your word into the lives of others, to do so with compassion and love. And Lord, to live Christ-like lives so that others may be brought to you. Oh Lord, let us be kingdom people. Help us to walk the narrow path, even though that may be difficult at times. And gracious God, gracious God, may we be willing to also pay the price, the price of discipleship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.